Hello, I'm Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine. Welcome to this special edition of the Talking Pharmacy podcast, which is produced in association with Novo Nordisk. September saw the launch of a groundbreaking POM2P-switch, GINA, for treating vaginal atrophy after the menopause. So we're going to be discussing the subject of postmenopausal vaginal symptoms and asking, why is this the last taboo? And, just as importantly, what can pharmacy teams do to help those women who may be affected? Joining me to discuss this are medical affairs specialist and OTC expert Harriet Scorer, Deborah Evans, who is managing director and owner at Pharmacy Complete and Remedy Health, and Rena Barai, owner of SG Barai Pharmacy in Sutton and NPA board member, amongst many other things. So welcome all. I feel in very safe hands discussing this sensitive topic. And Harriet, it is sensitive, isn't it? We've called this podcast Vaginal Symptoms and the Menopause, the Last Taboo. So could you start by perhaps explaining the impact of the menopause on vaginal health and why is it such a taboo subject? Thank you, Richard. Well, yes, this is a taboo subject, but let's just have a look at what's going on here. We're all familiar with estrogen levels dropping at the time of the menopause, but most people don't think about the vaginal symptoms that are associated with that. So what happens is as estrogen levels decrease, it has a direct effect on the vagina and the lining of the vagina changes. It becomes thin, it shortens and it dries. And that is vaginal atrophy. So what does that mean to people, to postmenopausal women? Well, the symptoms of vaginal atrophy can really be quite significant. It causes soreness, dryness, itching, burning and uncomfortable sex. So you'd think with those really quite significant symptoms that people would know about it. Most people don't. It's not recognised despite those significant symptoms. And if it is, it's not really talked about it. It's embarrassing. People talk about, oh, problems down there without describing what they are. So there is a taboo around it. And if people do understand it, they just think it's part of ageing and they don't really do anything about it. Despite these physical and emotional and, and, and the psychological impact of these symptoms, then, Harriet, it, it's clearly something that, that women don't talk about very often. So tell us a little bit more about it. How common is it, for example? Well, it is surprisingly common. Um, around one in two postmenopausal women do suffer from vaginal atrophy. And as well as the physical symptoms, you're quite right, it has emotional consequences. It makes people feel unwanted, old, unsexy. They tend to have perhaps problems with their partner, unable to talk about not wanting to have sex. It also has an impact on daily activities. Um, many women find it difficult to exercise in, in the way that they normally would. And the other challenge with this is as estrogen um, levels decline, the condition is chronic and progressive. So it tends to get worse if it's untreated. Okay, um, so significant effect on, on women's quality of life there, Harriet. Um, thanks for that. Let's move on now to discuss 
the management then of, of vaginal atrophy. Um, Deborah, if I could come to you, what are the main therapeutic interventions? What types of treatment are, are available to clinicians? Um, there are, thankfully, a range of interventions for women uh, suffering with these symptoms. And of course, for many women, it's part of a broad range of, of symptoms that they're experiencing as a result of going through the menopause um, and having a decline in their estrogen levels. So the main uh, areas um, that where, where we can help are around uh, systemic uh, hormone replacement therapy, local estrogen uh, treatment, which would be um, using uh, estrogen in the vagina directly and moisturizers. So it's probably worth saying a, f- uh, a few words about each of those in turn. Um, the usual treatment for vaginal atrophy and these types of symptoms is to use direct vaginal estrogen, and it's now available as a P medicine as Gina. And you insert this as a small tablet into the vagina using an applicator. Now, there are also cream and gels available, um, and you can use a cream internally as well as using it on the outside area of the vulva if some of the irritation is there. You can use a ring which contains estrogen, and of course, some women will get relief from systemic HRT that they're using. So there are a range of things that we can do, and I think what's so exciting is that as pharmacists, we've now got an option that we can give, which we know is effective um, over the counter. So could you explain the difference between local oestrogen treatment as opposed to systemic HRT? I mean, there's been some confusion in the mainstream media about the the two forms. So local oestrogen acts where it's needed and directly on the cause of vaginal atrophy. And because the symptoms in the vagina are due to a lack of oestrogen, then to apply it directly can be really effective. Um, so, of course, that is known as, as local application. Um, it's not the same as taking estrogen as part of your HRT, where you may use, for example, gels on your arms and thighs or patches or indeed take it as a tablet. What are the benefits of, of local estrogen application in particular? So one of the main benefits of local application is that you can use a lower dose. Um, So it's not going through first pass hepatic metabolism. And in fact, um, using a product like Gina for a year, um, the dose equivalence is is close to one tablet. So um, it is a great way of treating the symptoms of vaginal atrophy, um, an effective way of treating it without um, using higher dose. And so associated with uh, lower safety concerns and a woman doesn't need to use um, a, a progesterone as well. Um, so that's one of the major benefits. Um, it can be used with systemic HRT, whether that's applied topically or orally, um, if that's indicated for other symptoms. And it can be used with moisturisers and or lubricants if needed. So um, it's it's certainly uh, very flexible from that point of view. And it is recommended uh, for vaginal atrophy by NICE and the British Menopause Society. Thanks, Deborah. Really good insight there. Um, Now, I mentioned uh, at the top of the pod, the pharmacy teams now have a new means of targeting the cause of postmenopausal vaginal atrophy with the launch of GINA, uh, which contains estradiol 10 micrograms for local application. 
So, Harriet, let's come to you then again. Could you tell us a bit more about this new Pontypiece switch? How does it work? Well, yes, following on from what Deborah said, um, Gina is a low-dose vaginal oestrogen tablet, so it does replace oestrogen just where it's needed into the vagina. Um, another important point is that the oestrogen blood levels remain in the normal postmenopausal range, which means there is no need to add a progestogen into treatment, which would normally be associated with systemic HRT. So that is not a concern for using GINA. Uh, GINA starts to work at about two weeks to improve vaginal health because it's starting to replace estrogen. But symptomatic relief tends to take eight to 12 weeks. And that's as the estrogen levels build up in the vagina and the vaginal um, epithelium recovers. This is quite an important point because the first pack of GINA provides seven weeks of treatment. So it's really important for women to continue to take their second pack to get um, maximum effect. So it's possible that women would not see an effect at seven weeks, um, but they shouldn't be discouraged. It really is important after discussion with their pharmacist to continue taking um, that second pack. There are some women for whom the product may not be suitable, but that is really probably going to be quite a, a small amount for most women, it's going to be obvious that they have symptoms of vaginal atrophy and uh, their pharmacist should be able to guide them quite easily. But for the few that it's not suitable for, it's quite easy to check who they would be, uh, particularly if people have completed their training modules um, and also they can refer to the pharmacy checklist. Yeah, that's a really important point about treatment length, Harriet. Um, what other advice should pharmacy teams give on its use? Well, first of all, I think it's about um, making women feel uh, comfortable having that, that conversation and actually being able to explore um, the symptoms and to check that uh, Gina is appropriate for them. Um, it's important that women go back for um, their repeat um supply and that they continue to check that it's appropriate for them. Um, Gina can be used long term, but um, women should discuss with their, their pharmacist on an ongoing basis whether the product's suitable for them. Thanks, Harriet. Uh, that's a good opportunity there, I think, to uh, to bring Rena uh, into the discussion. Rena, how do you and your team have effective conversations with women about the menopause? Obviously, talking about Vaginal symptoms is a, a very sensitive area. Yes, it is sensitive. We've just heard how it's a sensitive topic. It's an embarrassing topic. It's a taboo topic. But actually, let's flip this around and, and make it not such a sensitive topic. Let's try and get rid of that taboo. Because if we hear the stats, as Harriet told us earlier, one in two women postmenopausally are, are suffering from these symptoms. And you think about all the women that come into my pharmacy, for example, and, and the pharmacies of the listeners. Uh, that's a hell of a lot of women that are suffering in silence. And actually, we need to flip this round so that actually those women who maybe are embarrassed to go see a GP or just take this as, you know, getting older and accept these symptoms, we actually can be really supportive. And I think 
as a POM to P switch, this just adds another tool in our toolbox, doesn't it, to support women to uh, sort of manage these symptoms better? Yes, it's, uh, it certainly adds to the, um, well, the ability of pharmacy teams to, to help women uh, who need support in this area are quite right. I mean, what counselling tips then would you pass on to our listeners when, when dealing with this? So I think there's there's quite a few things you need to think about. First of all, we kind of need to think about the gender language we use. I think we need to think about the inclusive practice. Obviously, there are people who are assigned at birth as female, but they may identify as female, male or non-binary. So we need to be aware of that. We've also got to have the cultural competence to realise that some, mem- some women of certain backgrounds may find it difficult to have conversations about this as well. So just having those two things in the back of our mind before we even begin to start those conversations in an empathetic way. There'll be many women who've been having these symptoms who don't realise that it has a name. So some of our role in that counselling is that education piece, reassuring them that this is normal. Unfortunately, this does happen and explaining to them why this is happening and, and hopefully be able to assess them to be able to supply Gina so that they can get some relief from these symptoms. Indeed. And uh, moving away, perhaps, the, uh, from treatments then for the moment, Rena, um, and, and looking at the menopause more generally, what self-help activities and lifestyle advice do, do you and your team give to women who are, are going through the menopause? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's kind of the same self-help and lifestyle advice that we we should all be giving ourselves for everything, really. Regular sleep, rest, healthy diet, calcium-rich foods, especially in menopause, exercising regularly, which can be really difficult if you're suffering from some of the symptoms of uh, vaginal atrophy. So, you know, making sure that people um, get the treatment so that they can hopefully feel better and be able to do a lot of these things, which would really help them. Obviously, there are lots of myths around menopause. If you go on any of the social media platforms, there's a hundred and million products you could buy that could make you feel better. So we always encourage our patients to talk to us about um, any uh, sort of homeopathic or herbal medications they may be considering trying before they start taking them. So, Rena, tell us a bit more about how we identify the customers who are going to need this kind of help. I think that's a good question. Richard and I think uh, more and more we're seeing lots of women coming into the pharmacy to ask for help thanks to a lot of the uh, media and the kind of social media um, kind of awareness of menopause we're seeing a lot more women coming in but sometimes some women may come in and actually ask and tell us they're getting these symptoms of itching burning soreness dryness sometimes we might notice them looking at products like uh, moisturizers or lubricants and we can obviously be proactive and ask what their symptoms are but also we're noticing more and more, as, as I did the sort of Gina 10 training course myself, I start to think about the patients I've got that may be actually living with vaginal atrophy but don't realise it. Or maybe just questioning when we know they're postmenopausal, whether they are having these symptoms as well. So we're obviously giving out a lot more HRT than we've ever given out these days. But we're also seeing a lot of the other symptoms of menopause. So we're seeing lots of women with mental health Um issues and obviously medications for that lots of women coming with migraine joint pain recurrent urinary tract infections all these sort of things should be sort of little red flags to us that make us think actually maybe i need to have a conversation with this patient about vaginal atrophy and be opportunistic and proactive deborah you wanted to come in there so i think um it's about considering other situations where we may be able to help women so i've had situations during for example an erectile dysfunction consultation where a man has described some of the challenges he's had because his wife has found 
sex very painful. Um, And so that's an opportunity to perhaps think about how we might help her. And also when we're having discussions around the menopause more generally, as as Rena's indicated, um, women often describe low libido as one of the issues. But if they're also very fearful of having painful sex, then that's going to, to make a difference to their desire. So I think it's, it's, it's about listening, having those conversations and being prepared to open the conversation. Thanks, Deborah. Really good advice there, I think. And I think we'll wrap things up there. Very interesting discussion. I'm struck by the, the size of the unmet need here for postmenopausal women. I think Um, Did one of you say 70% of UK women have never heard of vaginal atrophy, yet around one in two are living with the symptoms and are not seeking help for whatever reason? Certainly, it's a significant opportunity for pharmacy teams to play an enhanced role in helping these women and supporting women through the menopause in general. Now, there's a host of support and training materials for Gina available on the Pharmacy Magazine website, pharmacymagazine.co.uk. So, do make sure you and your teams check them out and get up to speed with this important and significant switch. I'd like to thank our panel of experts, Harriet Scorer, Deborah Evans and Rena Barai. You've all been brilliant. All the Talking Pharmacy podcasts are available on the Pharmacy Magazine website and from your usual podcast provider. But for now, thanks very much for listening. <laughs>